This is the Software and Technology Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. The more diversity of thought of the people working at tech companies, the better. The blockchain idea was around 91. The same idea of, in the digital world, we need verifiable documents. Welcome to MarketScale Software and Technology. I'm your host, Sean Heath. Data is probably, I'm going to say it's the most searched term on Google. I'm just going to throw that out there. It is part of everything we do every day, from our personal lives to our professional lives, from commerce to art. Data is really the way we understand our day-to-day activities. And managing all that data can really be very overwhelming, especially if you try and do it on your own or if you're a novice in the area. It's a very steep learning curve. It's always a good idea to have someone who knows what they're doing help you get up and running and get on your feet. And my guests on the podcast today are Andy Flick. He's the portfolio manager for Vion Cloud Services and Rob Davies, the executive vice president of operations for Vion Corporation. Andy, how are you today? I'm doing great, Sean. Thank you. Hey, Rob, what's going on? Good to talk with you again, Sean. We've got an awful lot to unwrap here. Let's start off, if we could, data management normally, in most people's minds, involves a hard physical data center, tons of servers and rack space and proper cooling. But what is data center as a service, and what does that allow IT leaders to accomplish that they couldn't do previously? Well, Sean, I'll take a a stab at that and uh, let Andy chime in. Um, But really what it allows, and I think you you really hit on a a key component that that is uh, not often picked up uh, right away, but that's at the the buying and the procurement aspect. A lot of times, um, you know, we focus on the technology and its capability first. And then uh, we find out that, oh, wow, this, 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 this way to do data centers as a service, it makes getting technology so much easier. And, you know, the, the public cloud has been a great um, platform, uh, you know, for all of us, for our customers, you know, for, for those of us in the business. And it, it's a great IT platform. But, you know, I've been in the business a long time. And you know, we used to just have one platform, and that was something called a mainframe, and it's still around. And then we had distributed technology, and that gave us a couple different operating environments to work in. And, uh, you know, mid-range systems, uh, you know, uh, x86-based systems, and, and then the public cloud came along. Uh, you know, but you know, when, when mid-range and distributed systems came along, we still had workload on the mainframe. And then when the cloud came along, we still had workload on both the mainframe and the mid-range. And even though there's this huge rush to the public cloud, um, it, you know, we still have plenty of workload that happens on-prem, um, you know, in the data centers of our customers. And But the cloud model, the idea about getting what you need when you need it and just the right amount of it has uh, really caught on. And that's led us to this this hybrid cloud model where, you know what, I want to use the public cloud for some things and I want to use um, uh, some of the stuff I own for other things. And then in the middle, I want to be able to 
have technology that behaves like a cloud, right? I want to be able to get this piece of technology that I need. I want to be able to use it for the time I need it. And then I want to turn it off and, and be done with it and, and move on to the next thing. And that's what, that's what Vion specializes in, is helping customers fill that, that gap between the systems that they own and the public cloud with you know, a cloud model that can be delivered anywhere. And the key to that acquisition idea is, well, once you have a contract like this, then if there's the latest and greatest technology that I want access to, well, I don't have to go through you know, this, this, this buying cycle to you know, do a capital transaction to buy that new piece of technology. I can just make sure it's added to my contract I can get it, I can install it, and I can get to work. And uh, if it didn't work out for me, then I can get rid of it. And that's the, uh, you know, I think that's the, the, the beauty of, of the model that we pursue and also the fact that the cloud has, you know, created new and innovative models and, and kept us uh, on our toes so we can, we can mimic that capability the public cloud offers but deliver it on-prem in a private way and also give you an acquisition strategy that, allows you to get pretty much anything you want, even the public cloud. Yeah, I think it's just very interesting when you think about, you know, for, for, for many, many, many years, it was the technologists that, you know, put all of this technology together, the, the servers, the storage, the networking, in order to process the data. And now we live in an era where, you know, it's the data, it's an outcome. We're looking to try to get something accomplished. And we're trying to do that in the simplest, most cost-effective manner. And a lot of our uh, federal customers are now measuring their IT spend. You know, how efficiently are they using their data centers? How efficiently are we using the servers? How much data are we, you know, consuming? And how much capacity do we really need? And and now the shift is more or less away from the technologists and more towards the business leaders who are trying to get something done, uh, trying to accomplish an objective, serve a constituency, support the mission. And it really comes down to the data. I've got this much data. It's of this type. It's got this type of usage characteristics. We need to hold it for this long. And in Vion's, you know, 35 plus year legacy of being in data centers, we can pick that technology. We can find the right um, use case and try to minimize that cost of processing the data, retaining the data, disposing of the data. So it's very interesting how the, how the world has kind of changed and it's now more outcome uh, focused uh, than it is technology focused. You mentioned a really important part of the cloud, and that is accessibility, um, also being cost effective. A lot of times when we're looking at new technology, we focus on all of the positives, all the advances that this can, uh, that this technology can help us make in our companies. But I think if we're honest with ourselves, we also have to weigh the downsides. What are some of the possible downsides that companies need to be aware of when they decide to take this step? Well, I think that they need to understand that the world as it used to be was I own the asset, um, whether it's a server or whether it's, you know, networking components or, you know, um, storage components. I own the technology. There's a downside to owning, you know, the technology. Um, 
managing the assets, recording the assets, tracking the assets, refreshing the assets, moving to a, um, a kind of a capacity-based uh, approach to IT spending and acquisition um, really solves a lot of problems. So, you know, looking at your portfolio of workloads or data or, or whatnot, where is it the, where's the best place to run it? Do I keep it on premise in my government data center? Do I push the data off premise into a, you know a, a, da, a, a different type of data center? And you can start looking at the economics. Which is better to do? Uh, is it better to keep it on on premise? Is it better to move it off prem? Is it better to have a capacity based um, way of procuring IT? Uh, is it better to just you know buy the the asset outright? And I think at the end of the day. Uh, when you look at these capacity-based models, which a lot of the government agencies are, are, are pursuing today very aggressively, uh, it turns out that owning the asset is probably the biggest downside versus being able to use the asset for you know, some outcome-based um, result. As cloud services have become more prevalent, we start to run into a new idea or a new challenge, cloud sprawl. That is uh, really difficult to manage, and I would imagine it can get out of control in a hurry. Yeah, it is, uh, Sean. It's and it's something that we we do see a lot of, and I think uh, we see it a lot more uh, commercially now than we do yet in the in the public sector. But you know, those those companies that have moved heavy into the cloud is it was. They sort of rode that that hype curve, are really finding that it, while it's certainly suitable for certain workloads with certain characteristics, for reasons of performance or cost or customer satisfaction, it it's not suitable for other workloads. And you you know the the, the declouding is starting to occur, and they're coming back to the the model of well, I don't want to have to deal with buying it, maintaining it. Uh, supporting it, tracking it, but I do want to have it in my data center and I do want to have control over those workloads. And if I can get that in a more economic, economically effective way, then that's what I want to do. And, and that's what we're seeing on the commercial side today is the, the settling down of that move to cloud and recognizing where its strengths are. And also recognizing where, as you alluded to earlier, you know, some of the disadvantages. But there's got to be that a middle way. And, you know, having someone able to provide, you know, that capacity as you need it for the time you need it, I think is that that really good middle ground. Because you can, you know, you can say, look, I don't really care what technology it is. I just want, I need something to meet these performance characteristics and capabilities. Great economics can drive that, and you've got these performance SLAs, and you're off to the races. Or, you know, I've got a particular uh, skill set with these types of technologies, so, I, and I think they work best for my workload. So I want this OEM and that OEM, and and I need you to give me that. That's fine too. We can do that as well. So uh, I think having that kind of flexibility, both from a delivery standpoint. Uh, across OEMs to, uh, you know, having the, the, you know, the ability to track it, manage it, provide a governance structure around it so the customer doesn't have to worry about that, you know, brings a lot of the advantages of that public cloud into the data center with, with a lot of customer choice. 
So I do think it's a it's a great it's a great middle ground, and it it also helps customers. It's an easy thing to say, but it's a hard thing to do. If if you can run the right workload on the right platform, right? I mean, then you can make that determination. Then you're going to be very not only effective for your business or your mission, but that's going to be the most cost-effective way for you to do it too. I bet one of the first questions that Vion asks any new prospective client is, what are you trying to accomplish? What are some questions that customers should be asking when they're considering a provider? I think it's really important if, if they're talking with, with folks like Vion and they want to have consumption-based economics of IT inside of their data center, um, they need to be asking, hey, have you ever done this before? Have you ever, you know, put together a service design so I can consume the IT that I need as I need it? Um, what experience do you have? What kind of references do you have? You know, do you have really good past performance? Um, asking the vendors, you know, what what's what are some of the, the pitfalls that we might have in my specific environment? You know, how could we change um, how we're organized or some of our processes to adapt to consumption-based uh, economics of IT? Um, what a lot of our customers have found over the years is they move from a traditional acquisition model to a more consumption-based acquisition model, and now they find that some of the job functions they used to do, they don't have to do anymore. And Rob kind of mentioned the fact that we've got performance-based SLAs and delivery-based SLAs, uh, where we're more accountable, we're more of an integral part of the team. Um, and when you look for that kind of and I'll use the word partnership, but when you're looking for somebody to take over some of the responsibilities that were mundane, that were, you know, you really can shift off to the contractor and make them responsible, you want to make sure that they've got a good set of processes. They've got a system in place. They've got the experience. Um, they've got a good references, I guess, would be uh, something they should be asking about. This is not a situation where a customer would want to be the beta test for a new idea. No, I don't think so. I think that uh, our customers are in a a situation where they, they need to take action. You know, they've been running data centers, they've been acquiring technology for many years, and now they're looking for, you know, again, a trusted partner, someone that has the experience to lead them into a new consumption-based uh, model, um, somebody that can actually execute on their end and, and um, help the government um, from, from their perspective. This works well, this doesn't work well and kind of guide them because it, it is a learning experience and, and a lot of our customers you know they learn by doing they learn over time and we even without our input they start to get it in their own right and internalize you know what this model will do for them so um, absolutely have you had an experience with a customer where they come in you devise a solution for them and it's almost i guess the analog equivalent would be like cleaning out your garage and after you've helped them get up and running they just have a moment of clarity and they realize we could have been doing so much better and been so much more efficient a long time ago that just happened with two of our large federal customers where and we advise this of our customers too. We say, as Andy mentioned, right? It's a new man. It's a new mentality, right? I don't have to buy all this technology because I got this budget money this year. So I'm going to buy everything that I think I might need for three years. You just need to buy what you need for the next month or two, and 
we challenge our customers to do that. They also start small. So then in, in, in a couple of these customers, and these are really large federal agencies um, that everybody would know, and they started very small from a scope perspective. Well, I'm just going to start with this type of storage. And we work our way through the first, you know, five years of the contract. You know, it's a typical, uh, you know, contractual period for when you're delivering uh, services. In this case, the service is uh, the actual IT equipment itself. It's not a, you know, the, the, the common thinking when you say services in the, the public sector space is that you're delivering people to help the government do things to solve a problem. We're delivering that IT as a service. That's our, our product. And... You know, by the time they got to the, the, the fourth year of the contract, they, it was almost exactly what you said, Sean. It was just, oh, my gosh, if I'd have known then what I know today, I would have done everything like this. And when they had to recompete for the contract, which uh, we were fortunate enough to, to be selected for, uh, for both customers, they re-scoped it so that they could acquire you know, the compute, the network, the storage, the software to manage it, that they could truly get their entire data center as a service. Um, and, uh, you know, both of those customers are operating like that today uh, as we start up the new contracts, like really examining their environments and taking advantage of the model to consolidate and to harmonize operating procedures which is another thing that this really you don't think of it right away but the model incentivizes because we had another customer and uh, that is sort of our one of the pioneers in the federal space in this model and you know they had many different data centers and they did things differently in each data center well then they the way they inserted technology into those data centers changed so they hired a contractor to you know, provide the different technologies as a service. Well, they operated at a fairly large scale, and but if they everything from the way they received technology at the loading docks to the way they maintained it on the floor was really parochial, and you couldn't operate at that scale efficiently unless they had harmonized procedures. And over the years working together, we were really able, we were able to do that. So today. No matter where you go in that environment in this large uh, federal agency, they do it all the same way. So that was a real benefit to the organization too. And and this now that that organization that's this is the only way they buy their technology. So it's, there's some real benefits. I was going to add on to what Rob was saying. It's like once you realize that you can get um, um, a service, uh, a capacity. Uh, whether it's compute capacity or storage capacity, delivered in 10 days and it's done without any error, um, you begin to start to realize after you've done that, you know, 10, 15, 20, 50 times, it's like, wow, this my job is now easier. When, when you start buying on the capacity that you need versus buying three years worth and hoping that you use it quickly, um, you're now buying on a month by month basis. You're now able to project, you know, how much money am I going to need next year? Well, I've, I've consumed this much. I, I'm going to need 
this much next year plus 20 percent if things continue to grow so as they begin to see the you know the benefits of you know how the processes change how much time gets saved how much easier it is to pick the data up from a, a consumption-based system and use that to, to budget and forecast um, a whole new world opens up for them and they're able to really start focusing on outcomes instead of checking a bill of material or you know talking with Sally Sue at the loading dock did the equipment get here today they're they're able to really change the focus of how they operate their data centers Rob you talk about dealing with uh, government departments and government groups do they purchase this concept differently than just a standard corporation would uh, you know they do that the the government has a certainly a, a a lot of certifications you'd have to adhere to, uh, a lot of different requirements, um, as you can imagine, you know, from, uh, you know, privacy requirements that relate to whether you're supporting the law enforcement agency and investigations or the Department of Defense and, uh, uh, you know, national security or in the healthcare space, certainly in the, in the federal government. There are a lot of different requirements. You have to meet those, those uh, you know, get flowed down through the different uh, procurements, through the procurement regulations to which we have to adhere. Um, and they, But they also have a very methodical buying process in the government. It's very defined. And they've been buying technology the same way for, for many, many years. And now that we have a way to acquire technology differently, so instead of you know buying a particular brand of uh, compute or storage network, that you can buy a service that delivers whatever brand or compute storage or network that you have a skill set that you're uh, proficient in that you have a requirement for because of how uh, you've operated in the past. So you know what the government is really competing then isn't the the, they're not competing one OEM against another. What they're competing is the process of, I need someone that can deliver me uh, a service of technology. And that, for, for a lot of the agencies today still, that's, a, that's quite a leap to figure out how do, how do I procure that and how do I manage that contract. But again, we've been working with many federal agencies to do just that for 16 years. So it's it's definitely possible. It's possible under the current regulations. We don't have to change them. And, uh, you know, getting that message out and, and having the, you know, the, the acquisition community understand that it can be done, it, it makes their lives easier, too, because, in, you know, it can take six, nine, 12 months, unbelievably, to buy a piece of technology sometimes. And, you know, that's a, that's a combination of many things. Right. It's not that they, you know, government gets sometimes a, an unfair, unfairly labeled as, you know, inefficient and ineffective. But, you know, they've got resource issues, too, just like everybody else. And um, but if you can use a model like this that allows you to get the right technology into your data center in 10 days instead of nine months, I mean, that's going to save you a lot of money not just on the technology, that's going to save you a lot of money around it, right? It's got more effectiveness out of your IT shop. Your acquisition people didn't have to spend a lot of time on it, right? They can go work on other things. You didn't have a technology group that had to evaluate X, Y, or Z. Um, so, 
you know, it, it's we, we like to call those are the great costs around equity, acquisition, but the, they're real when you consider, you know, how effective a person can be in their role. Um, so I think, and I think you brought it up at the very beginning of the, the discussion that, you know, there's this, there's this acquisition uh, thread through all of this. And, uh, uh, you know, I think, again, that's one of the, the secrets of the model is it can take away so much of the time spent on acquisition that they can really spend time on what they need to, right? The government buys a whole lot of, a whole lot of stuff, not just IT. And some of it's very complicated and, and it does require more time. So they can, they can go shift their cycles to that. When you first present some of your ideas and your plans for these larger customers, especially at the federal level, those groups are so large that flexibility and agility probably terrifies them because they're not used to having that freedom. It's a, it's a seismic shift in the way they do their day-to-day business. Are there any seismic shifts that you have seen in the industry on the horizon? Well, uh, you bring up a really good point, uh, and Rob can amplify this as well. But I, th- I think when you talk about flexibility um, and and the government being concerned about that, you really are focused on governance, right? Because the easier you make something, the government wants to be in control of what they're ordering, what they're spending, how it's deployed, and the the models that we run for our government government customers are all about governance. Governance about how things are ordered, how things are approved, how things are accepted, how we do um, um, break-fix maintenance within their data centers, and our processes dovetail with their processes. Our processes are transparent. The government wants to make sure that we're doing things the way they want us to do them, and we do that in its, in, the, in an error-free environment, as error-free as we can possibly make it. Um, and so that flexibility, um, that creativity that we bring with our service designs really plays into giving the government the visibility and into our processes and how they want us to perform and makes us 100% accountable um, for the results that they contracted us for. Yeah, so uh, to, to, to build on that too, right, the, we've really had a, a, a seismic shift with the public cloud, right, already. That just really accelerated what was possible. And the funny thing is, is that, you know, we've been doing this private cloud model since before we talked about cloud. I mean, it's we're in 16 years going on 17 years uh, with what, what we've been doing. Um, so it, the, the, the public cloud and how quickly that's gone in, <clears throat> excuse me, how quickly that's become adopted, you know, has really helped people understand that well, what you do, Vian, that's just the same thing. It's the same model, basically. And, you know, that's helped propel our business forward. At the same time, I think that it's created a much shorter cycle of innovation right? Um, whether it's through application development services or um, services that are available in the cloud or products that are available on-prem that have um, a turnkey type of functionality, those iterations are getting shorter and shorter and the expectations are getting higher and higher. And the classic example that you know we hear a lot from our government, government customers is, you know, I, I I want to be able to, to do for my 
you know, my customers, you know, the, the federal agency talking about the people they serve, whether that's the citizenry or, you know, law enforcement or, uh, you know, soldiers, uh, airmen, Navy, Marines, uh, Coast Guardsmen, they, they want to interact on the iPhone, right? They want to interact with a phone the way, you know, they want to have that experience for those customers. And, you know, while I think that for, for many, many reasons, that's um, maybe not entirely possible, but certainly getting to a better, that, that expectation is, is, is driving innovation faster and it's, it's making us respond better uh, with new models to help the government to help the government get there. They, you know, they really have the drive to get there and to do better. Um, uh, and, you know, we have to help them with, with greater innovation and greater delivery models. Um, but yeah, it's a, it, it can, government does move slow and there's, there are good reasons for that, but, but they also can, can uh, motivate us to move quickly. I would add to what Rob is saying in this, in the sense of, you know, you can't have cloud without the level of automation to run the cloud. Um, and in making things more automated to make it easier, again, we, and Rob said, you know, people want to interact with their phone. It's like, okay, I've got a video file. I got a Word file. I got different files. I'm going to move it around. I'm going to do things with it. We've made the world appear be very easy, but underneath of all of that, there's a lot of sophistication, a lot of automation to make things happen. And one of the things that we bring to the table for our customers is a, a governance platform for the ordering, for provisioning, for you know data collection, for reporting, for the things that they need in order to have visibility into the complexity without having to deal with the complexity. So I would just add that as, you know, one of the um, the recent innovations that enable us to be more focused on the outcomes as opposed to the widgets within the technology. Today, it has been my pleasure to have a conversation with Andy Flick, the Portfolio Manager for Vion Cloud Services. Andy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And Rob Davies, the Executive Vice President of Operations for Vion Corporation. Hope you gentlemen have a wonderful day, and I can't wait to talk to you again in the future. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sean. Okay, bye-bye.